Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LaFave Bolton, Christopher Ifill, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Ian Collis, John Dulong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Sam Solero, and Teresa. Become a patron today, join our private Discord server, get access to exclusive audio, and make Will go see Detective Pikachu in 2019 by going to patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Well, I guess there's never going to be a better time uh, to say it than right now, considering what the rest of our schedule looks like. So, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, Lucas. I've brought the gift of 90s cartoons for all the little good boys and girls. That's oh. a gift that keeps on giving. Oh, oh. Did you know that uh, Santa Claus is only red because of Coca-Cola? I learned about this this year. Apparently he used to dress in green when he was Saint Nicholas, but the modern incarnation of Santa Claus, the modern western visage of Saint Nick himself is purely based on Coke advertising. I can't say that I knew that specifically, but I did know that the Coca-Cola Corporation has quite the hand in uh, the propagation of Santa Claus as like a holiday figure. It's like, this is the time of year, especially when you go to like the movies and you see those those really saccharine Coca-Cola advertisements of like, oh. it's, not, it's not Christmas without Coca-Cola. I love the ones where it's like the penguin and the polar bear sharing a Coke. And it's like, if these two animals were in the same climate, there would be no more penguins left. <laughs> <laughs> That is yeah, that mean, is the what you don't see is the second the cameras get turned off. That is the end of the Arctic penguin as we know it, or Antarctic <laughs> penguin. I'm not sure which pole the penguins are at. All I know is they're as far from the polar bears as they could conceivably be. It's like that ceasefire that they did in World War One over Christmas. That just happened. Yeah, as long as they have Coke, coke until the coke runs out. <laughs> uh, but but once the coke runs out, watch out, penguins. Yeah, exactly. Welcome, everybody. This is technically uh, kind of the Christmas episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, my name's Will Young, and I hope you're having uh, what I don't know if it's Christmas. It could be Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, by That's the right. way. That's we're, right. Or... Well, we're recording this well within the uh, the throngs of Hanukkah, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, or, what, or however you're choosing to celebrate the holiday, we wish you a good one. And that's my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Yeah, that's right. Hanukkah is indeed... December 2nd to December 10th. So, happy Hanukkah, everybody. We are on the fourth day. So. We're, yes, we're recording this on the fourth day. You'll probably be hearing it on the fifth. On the fifth day of, of, of Chanaka. So, uh, congratulations. Spin the dreidel. Have a good one. Uh, yeah, we got a, couple of, got a couple of things before we get into uh, this final episode of Season 5. This kind of controversial season uh, <laughs> among the ones that we've watched so far but i want to take take a moment to say a special thanks to all of our patrons over on patreon.com slash elwood city limits we finally got to uh uh 10 patrons and as such we hit our first goal so that means that our uh discord our private discord server is open so if you haven't yet uh, make sure to go to your patreon profile and check your messages and i sent you a link in there uh, and let me know if you need another one. We've had a bit of activity so far on our Discord. It's been a lot of fun. No, yeah, the Discord's, been re- the Discord's been really great being able to just, you know, we interact with the listeners through email and, and uh, getting questions in. But it's been kind of nice to have, like, instantaneous conversation with some of the listeners. It's been really fun. Um, and I'm excited to, to uh, sort of check the Discord now when uh, Arthur News springs up in the new year and we can kind of <laughs> get everybody's... Uh, feelings on it in the discord and stuff like that so that's fun and i'm excited to talk about once the overwatch league starts i'm definitely you best believe i'm going to be talking about that in the discord and of course the winter anime season yeah that's a good that's a good idea actually that's going to be probably the way for me to get into the overwatch league as well i i'm like i i think i mentioned before i'm very uh envious of your uh your drive to find a home team and go hard for that for that oh, team. So I, I I have it. I have news on that front. So last night was the Overwatch League kickoff like thing. 
Um, yeah. And I went over to my friend's house, who are we all have the same drive where we're going to be like, we're going to pay attention to Overwatch League this year. Except there's already a rift in the friend group. Two of my friends have decided they are Vancouver's Titans fans. Uh, and I have instead uh, been the black sheep of the group, and I am firmly placing my support behind the Toronto Defiant. So we are going to have sort of a rivalry going on in this upcoming Overwatch League. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna look up. I've got I see that it was streamed on YouTube last night. So I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna I don't know if I'll watch the whole thing, but I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna kind of skip through it, and I think I'm gonna find a team because yeah. If you man, skip if you but- skip through the interviews, it actually does a really really good job of giving you one the context of what happened last season, uh, mm-hmm. and two sort of giving you a little bit of context of uh, where the teams are at competitively and what kind of players are on each team and sort of that kind of stuff. So it's a really good jumping off point for someone who really knows nothing. And then if you are even interested further than that, I'd highly recommend looking up just like best of overwatch league 2018 clips on YouTube. And they sort of okay. summate all the big, like pop off hype moments, uh, from the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it sounds like fun and probably the closest to to like actual actual sports that I'll get mm-hmm. so uh, stay tuned on that and I will be updating in the Discord server very soon all the more reason to join our Patreon remember at fifteen patrons I guarantee I will see Detective Pikachu <laughs> and we will do a uh, that's, we will do a review podcast that's the next it. stretch goal is the great L E C L Detective Pikachu review that's that's exactly it I said I feel like I should have maybe done it up to 20 maybe but I was like ah, let's do 15 this isn't gonna happen <laughs> prove me wrong children <laughs> prove me wrong um yeah so again thanks to our thanks to our patrons by the way listen to uh one of our patrons has a uh Yu-Gi-Oh recap podcast called the pod of greed uh, I took a listen to that it's pretty funny uh check it out if you're so inclined uh, okay, so we've got a couple of questions here um, that I want to kind of throw past you here, Lucas. We got this one on Tumblr from an anonymous ask uh, who is uh, reading the Arthur Out of Context blog, great blog. Uh, wanted to know, do we think that Mr. Ratburn could be a secret pot dealer, or do you think he'd be the type of person to just dabble? Um... I think he's definitely just dabble, uh, though, you know what? He kind of reminds me of, uh, do you remember in Animal House, there one professor that, like, uh, parties with them? Um, oh, God, what's his, he's, he's played by the guy from uh, the, I think, 70s invaded, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, there's that famous ending where the dude's got oh, his mouth open. Don, D- Donald, Donald Sutherland? Yeah, 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 yeah. Donald Sutherland plays their, like, pot-smoking professor in uh, Animal House. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that there's sort of a darkness to that performance. Like there's a little bit of an ominousness. It's less of a cartoonish, like, Hey kids, you want to smoke some pot? It's more of like, Oh, you know, he's like an intellectual that, uh, uh, smokes weed from time to time. If, if, if anything, it's closer to that, but I just don't think Mr. Rapper smokes weed at all, to be honest with you. I think maybe he tried it once and it wasn't for him kind of thing. I, I could see I him think traveling he, I, to like South America and doing ayahuasca once with the shamans and that's what allowed him to realize he wanted to be a teacher or something like that but i don't know if he's a regular pot smoker when in rome uh we move over now to elwood city limits at gmail.com where we get some terrific emails uh from some longtime listeners and some new ones this time it's a longtime listener this is from urs cat talking about last week's episode uh that i did with jv if you haven't listened to it check it out uh, dear Will, last episode you had trouble remembering the prefix to denote that the seven Tibble twins would actually be septuplets. You found the name of the shape was heptagon, but really hepta and septa are Greek and Latin versions of the same root, like how semicircles and hemispheres both refer to halves. JV mentioned that September was the ninth month, but all months with number prefixes are two off. There used to be ten months in the Roman year with the first four months relating to gods, Mars, Aphrodite, Maya, and Juno, and the last six months referring to their number. With the addition of two months to the beginning, January and February, all the number names referred to the wrong positions. I hate this because I'm better remembering what etymological roots mean than remembering the actual numbers of the month, so I always forget if September is the seventh or ninth month. Well, that was a, that was a lot to take in there, but I, I get what you're picking up. Or I'm picking up what you're putting down here, Urs. There was uh, definitely a little bit of Google food that helped me there, but I appreciate some actual knowledge uh, coming to this podcast. I definitely, uh, every time I have to like put in my credit card information, 
and it's like what's the expiry uh date and like you have to put in the number i just like counted out like i'm like january 1 february 2 <laughs> i like yeah. i i i'm pretty unless it's like the easy ones are like october november december it's like okay 10 11 12 anything in the middle like i don't know what month april is is it five four see i'm useless <laughs> Um, Erz also says you note you also noticed the frame rate picking up in the same episode. This was uh, just desserts, and it always felt off when I was younger. But now rewatching old shows, it just feels like a cheap way to change the length of a clip. I don't know much about animation, so maybe it's not as bad, but it just irks me. That's from Ursula Cat. Fair enough. Uh, I did not consider that might have been a way to kind of speed things up artificially. Again, that's Elwood City Limits at gmail.com if you want to send in an email to us. And finally, um, so. We had a bit of upsetting news in the animation community since the last time we recorded together, and I wanted to kind of just throw this out there. The creator of SpongeBob, uh, Steven Hillenburg, yeah, uh, passed away. Uh, this now that was that, that was a real surprise. Yeah, uh, you know, SpongeBob. I think I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, Will, so I can't speak to your experience. But you know, SpongeBob yeah. was instrumental. Uh, in me liking comedy in general, you know, I, I remember as a young kid in elementary school, um, to me, the funniest thing in the world was SpongeBob. Like it was sort of the Simpsons before the Simpsons to me where I was like, I, even then I could tell like, this is so much smarter than everything else. Um, mm-hmm. Like the humor in this is, is so palpable and so, so unique. Um, it was like nothing I'd ever seen on TV before. And it, it, it stands that like you could still go back and I'm sure some of this is nostalgia for me. Like I know some people find it a little bit obnoxious, but for me personally, like you go back and watch stuff like Band Geeks, which I know is an infamous episode, or oh, uh, the Krusty Krab training video, um, stuff yeah. stuff like that. It's just like fantastic, um, in my opinion. And so um, I was really like I, I I sort of waxed poetic for that week about like oh my goodness, like SpongeBob is very very important to me in terms of my loves for cartoons, but especially my love for comedy. I don't think, um, I think some of the earliest laughs I got as a young kid was, you know, basically just quoting SpongeBob to people. Um, and so I think that's what instilled a love for comedy in me. So uh, I, I, you know, could not hold uh, the man in higher regard. And I, I, you know, we are we are better for all of his great works, which that being SpongeBob. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish I was a little bit more informed about him, Steven Hillenburg specifically, so... He only I, ever uh, made for... two cartoons, which is pretty incredible, like, you know, you get these people that are, are sort of known for being creators of all these shows, like the Danny Phantom guy, he made all those t- different shows for Nickelodeon, um, but I think Hillenburg worked on, gosh, I should look this up, he worked on one uh, other show... I think it's R- Rocco's Modern Life. Rock, another classic. A little bit before my time, but another classic. And then he, he made SpongeBob, which is like one of the biggest cartoons ever. If you, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say right now, if you want a kind of more, um, um, a kind of more in-depth history about the creation of SpongeBob, I would recommend the What a Cartoon podcast. They just did an episode on SpongeBob uh, with one of my favorite episodes, Mermaid Man and Man and Barnacle Boy. Um, I love that podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, for me, it's I was just a little bit older, so I saw a lot of the messages about how imp- the importance of Steven Hillenburg and the importance of SpongeBob in comparison coming from people who are pr- closer to your age, Lucas, kind of uh, early to mid-20s, and because it was a much bigger part of their childhood. For me, I discovered SpongeBob, I think, when I was in, like, junior high. But all the same, like... Early, especially early SpongeBob. Now I can't speak for all of it because after a while I just kind of lo- lost the plot on it. But the first few seasons of SpongeBob are genuinely very, very funny. Oh my and gosh! Yeah, very easy to go back to. Um, the best part would be when there would just be reruns of old SpongeBob on TV, and I'd be like, "Oh great, I can just sit down and watch this." And it's as reliable to watch to to laugh as like old Simpsons. In fact, you made the point of how you know it kind of took the place of the Simpsons in the minds of some of some young kids and now adults, I feel like in maybe 10 years, it'll be regarded almost as a peer to the Simpsons mm. based on how the trajectory of both have gone and how long lived both of them are. I think SpongeBob, um, I and again, can't speak to modern. I've heard it's actually pretty good. 
Uh, and it's there's certainly something to be said for how long it stuck around. But really, um, I liked this, the I liked the new movie. So uh, that's, okay. I, I haven't seen a lot of modern SpongeBob either. But I did watch the the second movie, uh, and I thought I thought that was pretty good. So all the same, we want to give the um, the world of respect to Steven Hillenburg and his creations. Uh, and yeah, just wanted to make sure to mention that because I know that that's probably on the minds of a lot of our listeners, or has, or at least was when we found out about it. Very sad stuff. And uh, rest in peace, and Stephen Hill. If you want to commemorate him and watch an episode of SpongeBob, I highly recommend. I know you've probably heard this before, but uh, Band Geeks is not only one of the best SpongeBob episodes; it's just like one of the best episodes of television, comedic television ever. So I highly recommend you look up the episode Band Geeks. That's that's one of the episodes where like a lot of the classic lines come from of just is mayonnaise an instrument <laughs> stuff like that and like the I feel like a lot of yeah. good memories of that show come from that episode specifically that or like Doodle Bob Doodle Bob's good oh, uh, the one God. one of my favorites is the one where SpongeBob uh, Squidward eats a Krabby Patty for the first time that's, I think that might be my favorite episode. that's a really really good one as well a lot of the Squidward based episodes are like fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but seriously, go back and watch Old Spongebob, New Spongebob, it's all good Just remember who got us there, that was uh, Steven Hillenburg Alright, so from that, let's get into it It's the final episode of Arthur Season 5 The one that won them an Emmy And I feel like <laughs> but I feel like I feel like by next week We're going to have some thoughts On uh, Season 5 as a whole When we get to our uh, Recap episode Yeah. So let's let's start off, it's Arthur's Family Feud and Arthur's uh, starting off the episode by, well, watching the news. What else are you gonna do? I like half expected this episode to start with like a like a little like animalized version of Steve Harvey. Like Arthur, let's take a look at the board. <laughs> Words you call something you'd call your truck that you wouldn't call your girlfriend. <clears throat> you know what I mean? But yeah, uh, and- unfortunately, we get uh, instead we get a lot of other. I feel like this type of like flipping through the channels. I know this would have been well into the two thousands at this point, but this type of like flipping through daytime TV is a very like nineties joke. Specifically, yeah. the shows they choose. Like the political debate is very much like early two thousands, like Bill Clinton era politics. I get that vibe from it. Um, of course, we have the Jerry Springer show. We have a news report about uh, some sort of foreign conflict. Again, that's very Clinton era. The um, war in Balachka. Uh, the war in Balachka, uh, which probably I feel, yeah, is a I feel... sister state to uh, Herman Cain's favorite country, Obeki Becky Becky Stan. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it 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 reminds me of like the coverage of like the conflict in Yugoslavia mm, and mm. that kind of stuff from the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like very like this is like what television was like in the clinton era which is funny to see how much things have kind of changed how much this kind of strikes you as like a time capsule uh and it kind of gave me vibes for that infamous arthur episode where the contest where we see all the like parodies of 90s shows except this is more adult shows and it's a lot briefer uh but still very fun by the way to go back to your family feud point the host of family feud around this time was actually louis anderson so uh no steve harvey face instead it's uh well, Arthur, let's see what you got on the board. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, is Family Feud good, Will, or is it is it bad? <laughs> I feel like the jury's still out. It's either very good or very, very bad. It's impossible for me to answer that. I don't think I've seen a single episode of my life. Really? Oh, my. No, I, I, not a whole one, but, like, I, I, I get it. Like, I've seen steve harvey's face and to me that is family feud yeah i agree have you seen uh what is it is it steve harvey oh god it's like steve harvey disassociates or it's like the super deluxe (laughs) edit of steve harvey hosting family feud and the lady's like his tally whacker steve and it like breaks steve harvey's brain uh something that your girlfriend does and then the guy's like me and it's just like steve harvey's like shocked disgusted face I can already see it in my head right now. Uh, Yeah, so Arthur's watching all of this contentious television, and he says, sometimes it seems like the whole world is filled with nothing but fighting. And you said, you know, kind of time capsule of all these programs? Well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know what I'm saying? I know, but you know what? Like, And I don't want to talk too much about this, but again, this was like sort of the... 
the the promise of the 90s was like we were like we're post-racial we're post-war like the 90s people were thinking about the world in like very utopian ways you know what i mean like we felt like we were on the crux of like we're gonna be you know we're gonna have ascended to be beyond conflict i think that's a very 90s late 90s way of thinking again even though these episodes already came out in the the early 2000s uh but um again i I don't know where I'm going with this, but it just got me thinking about that. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think I see what you're saying. It reminds it reminds me of you know the kind of vision of you know Star Trek was uh, on the air at the time, and just kind of that utopian like. Eventually, we found our way past all of these petty disagreements and whatnot, and da da da. How wrong uh, we were! <laughs> oh boy, how wrong we were! Uh, hey, by the way, uh, as Arthur and DW speak, take note of their socks. That'll be important later. I, I so wrote Arthur's... down, I was like, why? Like, we've never seen Arthur and DW's socks before. Why are there so much stuff, like, focusing on their socks with this episode? Arthur's socks, both of their socks are actually pretty cool. But his buddy's got an Etsy store where they sell these socks. Hit me up. Because uh, I like the, the orange striped ones, and I like the ones with the little bunnies as well. Uh, so Arthur's trying to make this big grand point about how great the world would be if we, if we just sat down and talked out our differences, but DW keeps trying to ask him something and he gets increasingly frustrated until he basically throws pal's begging strip at her and just, just yells at her, just like, go play with pal or something. And that's act that actually forms this cold open actually forms the central conflict of the show of the episode, uh, which has to do with what dad Reed is doing this episode. Uh, he's making a souffle. Now, I feel like I've asked this question before. <laughs> it sounded it sounded familiar to me when I wrote it down, but Dad Reed's making souffle. You ever had a souffle? No, uh, I actually wrote down, the only reason I know what a souffle is is because of kids' television shows. I feel like a souffle <laughs> is like something I've never encountered in real life, and all I know about it is that a loud noise will make it deflate. Or that it's very delicate. Like, I feel like there's multiple. There's Arthur. I know there was a Between the Lions bit about making a souffle. Um, <laughs> I just feel like in, like, again, early 2000s kids TV, that was a constant source of comedy of, like, don't make a noise when they're taking out the souffle. It'll deflate. And, like, even as a kid, that barely made sense to me. Uh, but that's, like, the only reason I know what a souffle is. I don't even know if it's, like, a cake. Like, if it's savory or if it's uh, it's supposed to be sweet. I have no idea, really. I think it's supposed to be kind of savory, and I feel like it, it, here it looks like a dessert, but I know that there's such a thing as, like, a cheese souffle. So maybe it can be, like, d- more dinner adjacent. I don't know. Uh, just, <laughs> just wanted to check, because I've never had a souffle myself either. So Dad Reed, Dave, you know, if we're going to be talking about him, is uh, he, he's very proud of the souffle, but he leaves the kitchen to go get Mom, and and then brings her in, and then it's immediately been upturned on the floor, and D.W. and Arthur are blaming each other. We get this this howl, this absolute howl from Dave. So, And I got to say, uh, Bruce Densmore, friend of the show, Bruce Densmore, uh, you know, we know him as the voice of Binky, but he's also the voice of Dad Reed. I think he does a really terrific job. This is probably the best I've heard is Dave Reed. I was just going to say, I I think this is the best Dave Reed episode ever because we've never really seen him in this mode. Like, usually when Arthur and DW are being disciplined, it's the mom playing the bad cop. But his, like, he is so upset that his souffle got deflated. Like, he is so, it's so funny. Like, Arthur's parents are the type of parents where they kind of, like, they're always in parent mode. They don't really show their cards too much to their kids. You know what I mean? They always try to uh, uh, keep them close to the chest. So they're able to sort of hold that power over their kids and always be, like, parenting. Um, but, like, you could see it all over Dave's face. He is, like, distraught. Like, he is so upset. Um, uh, it's like he's been mind-crushed. Like, he is just, like, so <laughs> unhappy. Like, pacing around, like, hands on his head. Just, like, can't even deal. Um, it's great. It's 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 He's the MVP of this episode, and it's probably, like, the best performance we get from like you said the best performance we've gotten from bruce uh for this character just because it's like so out of character form of just like usually he's calm cool and collected but in this episode he's like freaking out he is like irrational like yeah. they take the, they take them into the living room and, and mom kind of has to be the public face as like pretty much every time we cut to dave he's just like stewing 
and like he looks like he's ready to explode. Later and on in the like, episode, he's like depressed. Like he's yeah. like it's like eating ice cream out of the tub. Like he's like completely distraught. Like he's lost the will to live because the soup. I, I I'm to believe a souffle is very complicated, and that's why. Yes. It's like, oh, it's so delicate coming out of the oven. So to put all this work into something and then it all falls apart at the, at the 11th hour. Um, but, like, the way they play it so over the top, it's great. Well, and it's also very realistic because it's like Arthur and DW, like, keep blaming each other and yelling over each other. And then eventually Dave just snaps and he's like, all right, that's it. No TV for two months. And then Arthur and DW both protest again. He's like, all right, three months. And then, and then like, then- and Arthur's mom's like, oh, Dave, maybe we should. And he's like, four months. <laughs> but but then but then he just kind of like he has a moment of clarity through like this cloud of rage. He's just like, oh, forget it, <laughs> and he's like he he realizes he's just like lashing out because he's upset. But it's like it's very it's very real. It's like I often when I kind of get really upset about something and I find myself just like saying stuff I don't mean and just like kind of just lashing out uh, in that manner. Then I kind of have that moral inventory of just like, you know what. Never mind. I'm sorry. And just wa- take yourself out of the situation. Like I said, very realistic. And it's uh, very humanizing as well. Arthur and DW are both barred from going to... So DW wants to go to a petting zoo with the Tibbles, which sounds like a nightmare. And uh, Arthur wants to go to the Bionic Bunny Arcade, which just opened today. But they've been barred from doing so until they can figure out exactly uh, whose fault it is about the souffle. So they're both stuck in their rooms, and they have these kind of... Or Arthur has a fantasy sequence of... They're, they're kind of just moping, feeling sorry for themselves, and Arthur's like, DW like basically frames me for everything. And there, it's this fantasy sequence where um, DW's room is filled with Crazy Bus merchandise, <laughs> and, Ar- and Arthur's in there too, and he's like, where did you get all this from? And then suddenly the police burst in, like a real open up, it's the police... And DW in the one of the most savage things that she actually she actually never did, but in Arthur's mind she is cold enough to do this. She just goes, Arthur, what are policemen doing in your room? And then they say they caught the crazy bus crook red-handed. Book him, Charlie. Arthur goes to the clink. Oh, not only does he go to the clink, it's like a gulag. Like, it, like Arthur is, like, it's in like this, a, like... It's a dungeon, Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's, like, where they found Captain Price in Modern Warfare 2. Like, he's, like... <laughs> Arthur is, like, in the gulag to rot, and the W's wearing, like, this, like, Russian fur coat. Yes! Uh, to just... She looks like she looks like a middle-aged Russian woman yeah, with, yeah, this yeah, fur, yeah. with this fur ensemble. Um... <laughs> Uh, th- this is something that I always get a kick out of in media is like a dream sequence where the police overreact to something. I loved it in the library card episode, the the library episode where Arthur like didn't return his library book. Um, yes. And the the gold standard I always reference is in Seinfeld where Jerry thinks about if he gets caught stealing cable and the police storm his door and shoot him to death. And like Kramer's <laughs> like, Jerry, no! <laughs> yeah that 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 is a really good trope and arthur i feel has used that a few times like in different scenarios so uh, mostly involving like either dw or arthur it's great also dw Uh, gives arthur some entertainment in the gulag and it's just a (laughs) it's a boom box playing crazy bus and then she walks away laughing and puts on these like designer sunglasses (laughs) these, these kooky sunglasses it's great i loved it W's imagination is more like, well, the Tibbles uh, come to her window and ask if she's still going to the petting zoo, and then they start fighting uh, uh, each each other. They both just kind of start uh, like struggling in the grass, and DW's like, I don't want to be like that uh, with Arthur forever, because she's lamenting the fact that she wished she had a better brother, but then she imagines Arthur and her will be fighting forever, and it cuts to a nursing home. Where Shady, DW and Shady Arthur, Pines. Shady Pines. Shady Pines. Thank you. Good catch. Um, DW and Arthur are both in the same room, and they're very old and wheelchair-ridden. But what they're doing is they keep slamming the wheelchairs into each other and creating this like unholy earthquake. And then they have this argument where Arthur says, Admit it. You broke the souffle. And DW goes, no, you did. And then they keep slamming the wheelchairs into each other, presumably until time immemorial. Uh, if you look at the decorating in their old folks' home rooms, uh, like Arthur still has like uh, the love ducks and, and Bugs uh, uh, Bionic Bunny merchandise. DW's got a poster for Crazy Bus up. So even into their, uh, you know, their twilight years, they still keep up with their respective fandoms. 
Well, it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, little kid imagination of what life as an old person is like. It's like, well, it's like now, except we're older. Uh, yeah, DW's got like a pony poster and all this kind of stuff. So they kind of come to a similar conclusion, DW and Arthur do. They come out of their rooms in very neutral tone, and they've both decided independently of one another that the other should take the blame, <laughs> and then they just start fighting again. Mom is actually, as usual, she's kind of a quick thinker uh, among the parents, so she decides that what needs to be done is they need to figure out exactly what happened. So she's going to give Arthur and DW both an opportunity to tell their side of the story with no interrupting. In fact, she even she has like a legal pad of paper and some crayons so that they can draw to better exp- explain their point if they want. Uh, Arthur gets to go first via a coin toss. Well, so first Arthur and uh, ever arguing, Arthur and DW are sort of deliberating who gets to go first. Uh, Arthur yes. offers yeah. an arm wrestle to decide. Uh, which DW shoots down because his arms are so much bigger. And so they do a coin toss, which Arthur correctly calls heads. And DW then asks if they can have another coin toss to decide who gets to call heads. Um, but eventually, Arthur just gets to go first. Yeah, and what we get here is what I like to call baby's first Rashomon. I, I also I wrote down this is a cross between Rashomon and sticking around. Yeah, especially Arthur's part. Uh, that's what it reminded me. Uh, Arthur... Uh, does his side of the story by drawing stick figures, which I actually kind of brought me back to childhood a little bit because I used to do stick figure drawings a lot. I used to do a lot of doodling as a kid, so it kind of reminded me of that. And, of course, one of my favorite shows, Sticking Around. Uh, yeah, so Arthur's side of the story, of it, it, it of course, paints him in a very angelic light. Like, there's literally a point where, like, a halo appears over his head, and DW is like this this garbage little... <laughs> trash child where she's just where she just comes into the she comes in the room yelling just like play with me now and arthur's like i can't dw i have to do my homework (laughs) so so eventually arthur's side of the story is that he was showing dw how to properly throw the begging strip because dw kept like braining pal with it uh so he threw it to her at one point but she wasn't paying attention she ran into the kitchen uh, slipped on the floor and into the souffle and then promptly blamed Arthur. And he says that's exactly how it happened. It's a great line to follow this up from DW. Oh, my goodness, uh, yes. The savagery yeah. here. <laughs> and it's all in the delivery. It's not just the line. It's that, like, DW will do this thing sometimes where she delivers, delivers a line and then punctuates it by screaming the last two words in the line. Like, she will she does the John Malkovich thing where she's like, I'm DW, I'm DW, I'm DW. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because, yeah, she says, wow, I'm surprised we're not all asleep. That's usually what happens when people listen to fairy tales. <laughs> Great stuff. So DW um, is getting ready to tell her side of the story, but then she's afraid that no one will believe her uh, because Arthur draws better than her. And Twitch mom says she doesn't have to draw it. So DW takes some extra time. It's not exactly, I don't know if it's shown exactly how long, but she goes up to her room to find dolls to use to uh, illustrate her point. So we get the uh, the the bride doll from the episode uh, where DW stuck in her room, and she's uh, I remember she's playing with it and a shark, uh, and that's DW. We get Mary Moo Cow as pal, and then <laughs> DW finds like the ugliest, most devilish troll doll that she could find in her repertoire and used it for Arthur. Um. DW immediately amends Arthur's side of the story before she even starts. She's like, first of all, I wasn't, I wasn't asking to play with Arthur. He always thinks I'm dying to play with him. Like he's the most fun brother ever. And then like and it's, Dave Reed, the, again, the Dave Reed performance here is just like so amazing. Cause even he is like getting sick of this whole process. Like he's so distraught. Like none of, he knows none of these deliberations are going to bring his souffle back. And so he's like, DW, can we just skip to the part with the, and then like Arthur's mom's like, uh, 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 we got to hear DW's side of the story. Yeah. He's very impatient as I imagine any father would be. Um, so of course DW's also paints her in a very angelic light where she's like, she just wanted to ask Arthur the time, but it comes out as dearest brother. Could you tell me the time? And the troll doll just goes, quit bothering me. I'm pretending to do my homework. <laughs> and then she says that pal just wanted to play with her. So she wanted to throw the strip, the bacon strip around, but then Arthur threw it too hard and it flew into the souffle or excuse me. Arthur threw the strip too hard and, 
So DW went to pick him up, and Arthur pushed her into the table, which caused the souffle to tip over. Should also mention that Pal was also uh, lapping up the souffle after it fell. That's their story, and they're sticking to it. However, again, Mom with the quick thinking, she does some quick detective work here. Uh, as Arthur and DW just start arguing again, she notices, or she, she says that uh, she asks either of them if they actually saw the souffle fall. And neither of them did. And then mom notices they both have sock feet on and the kitchen floor can get pretty slippery. And so Arthur and DW managed to reluctantly piece together that they both uh, kind of ran into the kitchen, slipped into each other, and they both made the souffle fall over. So they kind of both did it. <laughs> and mom says, uh, is there anything else we can do? Is there anything we can do for dad? Pal already cleaned up the mess. And they both, I love the delivery on this. They both like very, this is so speaks to my experience as a child. Because when you're a kid, you're a sociopath. You know what I mean? Like you're caring about me, myself, and I. And both of them just want to go to the respective events that they were excited for. So they're like, dad, we're really, really sorry. And then they sprint away from the table. And, and and, And the best part for me was that like, uh, mom looks over at dad and he just shrugs and sighs. I'm just like, I don't know why I expected anything else. My life is ruined. <laughs> Speaking of his uh, life it, being ruined, smash oh, cut man. to, this again, best. this is David Reed in rare form. This is like goals. He's eating ice cream from the tub of ice cream. And then a guy making a souffle comes on TV. And so he changes the TV to watch wrestling instead. This is just like a distillation of like, this is the closest we I think we've seen ourselves in Arthur. A hundred percent. I've definitely done exactly that before. And like when he's watching the souffle program, like he just starts whining. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> and has to change the channel to something more mindless like wrestling to just kind of drown the pain. It's great. So Arthur and DW, granted, they did have their sociopath moment, but they actually are looking in at dad when they're all ready to go. And they say they've never seen him this upset. And maybe there's something they could do for him. So very selflessly, they decide to skip their plans for the day and try to make a souffle for themselves. And we get a classic uh, kitchen joke here. Oh, yeah. DW pulled a Dan Reichert. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You and I were thinking the same thing of uh, DW, a four-year-old, makes the same egg whites from egg yolks mistake as college-age Dan Reichert did. (laughs) She put even worse. She put all the egg like that's so much eggs. That's such a waste of eggs. She put all the yolks down the drain, oh, all and, and just kept the eggshells in a bowl. Oh boy! So of course they start arguing about this. Then Dad comes in, wonders what they're doing, and then th- there's there's kind of a uh, sort of short-lived joke around this part where DW is tr- doesn't know how to pronounce souffle. She keeps saying like sloufe and souffle. Sloufy. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then as they kind of say, you know, we noticed how sad you were and we wanted to try and make a souffle. And then dad's dad immediately like snaps out of it. And just like, you were trying to make a souffle. Well, let's get started. <laughs> and, and so th- that act of kindness was all he needed to kind of snap himself out of it. And eventually they do make the souffle. It looks even better than before. It's it's not the best dessert that Dave's ever made. It's the best dessert we've ever made. And you and you notice that again with the delicacy of the souffle, whenever they all four of them puncture it with a fork and it kind of lets out air. Listen, Nas once he learned the same lesson that Nas did. Uh, he lost all of his original recordings. I forget how if it was like in in like airline luggage or what have you, but he lost all of his original recordings. And so he had to start from scratch. The album that he made after starting from scratch, Illmatic, one of the greatest rap albums of all time. So sometimes that happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to destroy a souffle to make one that's even better. Wow. What a story. That's awesome. Man. Man, that's really... That's that's the best of both worlds right there. Yeah. Although I do although I do wonder what would have happened. Oh, if we uh, heard the original he had... Illmatic, I don't I think his whole career directory would be different cuz like Illmatic was he was super young when Illmatic came out too and that album is like held in ultra high regard. 100%. Yeah. Okay, and before we get into the second half, uh let's uh, go to a word from us. 
Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. And you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. And we're back. All right, this is it. The final story of season five is called Muffy Gets Mature. But we don't start with Muffy. We actually start with Arthur, who uh, rubs some old salt in this old man's wounds when he says, being a kid is the most fun thing I can think of. Oh, don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. (laughs) Just all and so a little little vignette here of, uh, of some of the Arthur cast just doing things kids do like Binky and Buster hanging upside down from a tree, Swellen and Francine blowing big bubble gum bubbles, um, just kind of doing uh, Arthur and Brain playing in the mud, just like I don't and Arthur ends it with saying I don't know why anybody would be in a hurry to grow up. He's right. Uh, he's right. The episode is centered on Muffy, who is taking some umbrage at uh, the way that kind of Fran- <laughs> really casting shade on how Francine chooses to live her life. Oh my gosh. And okay. It, it's kind of hard to talk about this episode without getting too ahead of myself. Cause I have like feelings about the episode from a whole, but from the jump, Muffy is as unlikable as she's ever been in this episode. Like from square one, when she's talking about like, Francine's like peanut butter and jelly sandwich I was like man Muffy is the first to go in the class war like where do you get off (laughs) criticizing Francine for her peanut butter and jelly sandwich it is just like so innately unlikable and which what I actually do kind of like about this beginning is we basically only have two segments before Francine has enough like it's the peanut butter sandwich and then they have a sleepover and Muffy's like you're gonna wear footy pajamas and it's like what Francine was supposed to buy new pajamas just to appease Muffy's idea of what's mature and so even Francine's like you know what Muffy like if you want to be so mature maybe you shouldn't have this sleepover at all and I was like I know Francine, um, mileage may vary with Francine, especially with you, Will. I know sometimes she could be a bully. But in this instance, I was like, you know what? Hell yeah, Francine. Like, stick up for yourself. Muffy's being terrible. Yeah, it's weird. Like, um, it's Francine not only ends the uh, the sleepover, but pretty much nukes the friendship. She's like, well, then maybe I should hang out with somebody. Da-da-da-da. And to, to your point... She's not wrong. Muffy's re- being really judgy here. She's being and- awful. She's being. If my friend was like, "You should do this because it's more mature," because this magazine told me, I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, this is just. Yeah. I, I think this is a specific to me problem, but this is like the type of behavior I just cannot stand. Like this type of like, oh, of in respectable society, we treat it, we do this. I'm like, whatever, man. Like, I I cannot handle it. Uh, uh, this is like oil and water with me. Hey, fair enough. I mean, get, somebody getting in your grill about your life choices, like, nobody needs that. Nobody mm. ever needed that. Uh, but also, I feel like footy pajamas kind of make a bit of a comeback into adulthood. You know, it, it is kind of seen as more of a kiddie thing, but then there, I feel like there does come a point uh, in some people's adulthood where it kind of comes back a little bit, and it's like kind of re-co-opted. Like co- as like a for everybody kind of thing. I don't know. No, it's not a hard and fast thing, but I've definitely seen adults wear footy pajamas. Here's the dark secret, Will, is adults can really do anything they want. They're adults. You know what I mean? That's what Muffy, I guess that's the point of this episode. That's what Muffy's missing. But it's like, what was the last time you had a, I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich last week? Muffy is like, yeah. she's like on a tip about nothing. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, yeah, PB and J is great. She's, but I feel like this. I feel like there is a little bit of truth to this in the sense that 
kids sometimes feel like there are rules to being an adult. Mm. Like you have to have mm. you have to have a car, you have to have a job, you have to be married, da 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 da. And then you what you and I know is that once you get to be an adult, there are no rules and you make your own path. Which is hard for I imagine it's hard for young kids to kind of imagine that there's that level of freedom because it's not something they're used to. That is a really so there's good gotta point. Be rules. Yeah. But all the same, I, I also don't think you're wrong in saying that Muffy is going about this in an utterly terrible way. Yes, Muffy is obsessed, obsessed with this magazine called Mature Miss, which has all these guidelines for how to be mature, which she really wants to be. So Francine essentially kicks her out, kicks her out of the sleepover. Muffy goes to leave, and then she becomes enamored with uh, Francine's older sister, Catherine, who is talking on the phone about going to a party and all this kind of stuff. And then Muffy realizes she can be mature by sticking close to Catherine. Catherine, of course, who we've established before, I believe she's a teenager, you know, high school age. Let's just say, I'll Uh, say this. Catherine's fit in this episode is dope. I love what Catherine's wearing. She's got the long socks, the low top sneakers. She's got a cool like tennis skirt and like a yellow shirt, like and, and with the bangs and the ponytail. Catherine's tumbler ready in this picture. Yeah, she's always been a little grunge inspired. Her mm. out, her outfit her outfit is very nineties in like a, in, a, in 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 the fashionable way. And you know what, Muffy does get this right. Uh, uh, later on, she talks about how vintage is in right now. Um, this this is still true to this day. Vintage remains like vintage is absolutely in in twenty eighteen as well. Like the seventies are. I don't know if you've been in a Forever Twenty One lately. The seventies are back in a big way. It's all mustard and. Uh, uh, corduroy and all that jazz. Yeah, I can't. I mean, does vintage ever go out of style? Depend, that's, like you know what? I, I guess Vin- vintage just becomes something different. Well, that's the thing. The vintage changes, right? Uh, but yeah. but the the Muffy's right about the concept, right? The whole reason vintage stays in style is because when you pick up something from a thrift store or a vintage boutique, um, you look different than everybody else because you could tell that like you bought that thing and there was only one of that thing there, and unlike buying something off a rack where there's like twenty of the same sweater, right? So right. I think that's the whole mentality behind vintage never quite going out of style. Um, but then it's kind of fun to watch trends follow vintage trends. Like, for instance, um, I would say like three years ago, everybody was buying like stuff that was brands that were big in the 90s. So like Fila and then Champion. And because yeah. of that, like stores that manufactured new clothes like Urban Outfitters then started carrying brand new stuff that looks like you bought it at a thrift store. So, like, everything in Urban Outfitters looks like you, like they're, like, champion sweaters and Fila sweaters. They're brand new, but they're made to look like the ones from the 90s because vintage was so in. It's just interesting how all that stuff goes. But uh, Muffy's right. It's accurate. Like, vintage vintage is in right now. It's just uh, uh, an, an, ev- an evergreen tenant. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Muffy is really trying to insert herself uh, in, into Catherine's way of life. Catherine trying to have nothing to do with this child, as I imagine any teenager wouldn't. Uh, but Muffy kind of keeps kind of sugar mommying her of just like, we can, like, let's go shopping tomorrow. We can take my limo. <laughs> and then eventually Catherine kind of gives in. It's just like, all right. It's like, we'll have to go early in the morning, though, 10 a.m. And I had a nice hearty laugh about 10 a.m. being early in the morning. I know. It must be nice. Give me a break. So they do go on this uh, shopping excursion for several hours. uh, And then Muffy finds Catherine, as you said, a vintage ensemble, which does look pretty good on her, I must say. And then Muffy manages to extend that into a pedicure and specifically with a color that will make Catherine's feet look two sizes smaller or something like that. We find because we find out that Catherine. It's has, green. Is a, green makes your uh, and I remember that detail from this episode. I've always told people I was like, you know, green nail polish make your feet look smaller. And the only thing I have to go off is this episode. That's where I learned <laughs> I was, that from. I was gonna say, is that true? I mean, I don't know. I, I uh, that's what Arthur told me. All right. Uh, well, apparently it works. Uh, we find out that Catherine is a size eleven. Do you do you think Catherine with with a shoe size like that? Do you think she plays basketball? So that's a she sh- looks like that's a size eleven women's right. So I'm a oh, si- okay. I'm a size seven point five men's, which is a size nine women's. So a size oh. a, a size eleven women's wouldn't be that big. It would be like a uh, that's like a nine, uh, that's like a nine men's. Oh, okay, fair enough. But all the same, Catherine does seem like she would have the build to play basketball. We never really see. She does her- strike me as athletic. Yeah. She's yeah. a horseback rider. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
yeah, I just, I just, I just hear a, a foot size in the double digits, and I'm like, then again, my foot size is in the double digits, and I don't play basketball, so fair enough. That's what I get for assuming. They do this pedicure, and then they go to lunch, and it's like every step of the way, Catherine's like, all right, just this one last thing. And Muffy buys her a plastic. She did. She does say it's a plastic ring to go with her new ensemble. I, I thought it for a second it was an actual like ring she bought from a jeweler. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is this is getting too far. And like really looking back at this episode, like I said before, there is this weird kind of like sugar mommy vibe to this whole thing, where it's like Muffy is essentially paying Catherine to hang out with her because she she wants to feel mature, but she's like, you know paying for her clothes, her pedicure, this ring, probably the lunch. Like it's it's a little it's a little weird. A no, little weird. I definitely agree. By the way, we uh, get uh we get throw throwaway character of the week. This okay. one uh this time it's not quite the showcase that we've had in the past couple weeks. I feel like we've had a pretty good run of throwaway characters of the weeks, you know. Uh, uh, we got the Hall of Fame of Cave Daddy, and uh, what's what's the one you like? His name is something Gunky. E. Gunky. You know, we have the uh, apartment manager or whatever. Uh, today, uh, it's it's a little bit of a more of a minor player. We have the deep voiced waiter who says, "Excellent choice, ladies." Uh, oh. he is. <laughs> okay, he is. The, That's not who I thought you were gonna say. Uh, he is IMO. The throwaway character of the week. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to him. Was he's it, got he's got it? an exceptionally deep voice. He's just excellent choice, ladies. <laughs> when they order their salads. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and listen. Uh, yeah, and eventually Muffy invites herself to this party that Catherine is going to with her friends. Uh, but or rather, she at least offers to take Catherine up in a limo so she can arrive in style, which she in which at which point she does invite herself in because all of Catherine's friends are taken with the limo and Muffy kind of inserts herself into the conversation. This here. is where the episode for me passed the Rubicon of being merely annoying to Uh-oh. unwashably cringy like. I am not able to deal with this situation. Like, I had to, like, avert my eyes. I was cringing so hard about the next, like, the next few minutes of this episode. Like, it was hard for me to watch. Interesting. Okay. I will say, first of all, I do like the designs of Catherine's friends. Oh, I definitely do. The the, the friend with the bangs who uh, went on the date with the guy and she's got, like, the penny loafers. Uh, uh, I love yes. that character design. All the friends are realistically... Um, they dress differently than the like the gang of kids. Like they all dress realistically, kind of like teenagers would, uh, especially compared with Arthur and his friends. So I I think that's a really great detail, and I do like the character designs. Um, yeah. Uh, Muffy mentioned she has a prescription to uh the magazine, not a subscription. Just want to put that in there. But yeah, because okay, so I guess I guess we got to get into this. I don't. It, it really. It didn't even really register with me that much the way that they spoke but looking back on it I, I i i understand what you mean i understand where you're coming from because you know it's, it's just one of those situations where like i could see where this was going from a mile away and i don't oh, like to watch okay. it happen it's like in um it's like in those like really bad like kevin james or adam sandler comedies where like the main character has a big lie and the whole movie is about them keeping up the lie, and then, like, near the end, it starts to f- sort of fall apart around them. Similarly, I find that so cringeworthy, like, I, like, don't like watching it. It just makes me uncomfortable. Um, and see. so with this, it's like, okay, so all these, like, characters, they're going to, like, hang out with Muffy to make fun of her. And it's just, like, uncomfortable and, like, hard to watch. Yeah, um, I, 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 get, I get what you mean. I thought maybe it was, like, the dialogue, which contains such gems as, at the end of it, he totally planted one on me. No, see, that's kind of funny. Like, that's okay. Uh, but what I mean is just, like, just like the, the palpable discomfort of, like, oh, you know, this is, like, as much as I don't like Muffy, to see all these, like, grown teenage girls, like, make fun of her and use her as, like, a source of, of entertainment, it's just, like, ugh, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Like they're taking, they're kind of taking advantage of that. Sh- they they know very well that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Of just like you've never been kissed by a boy before, Muffy, because she reacts with disgust at the very idea, and then she backtracks. Is just like, uh, no, never on the first date, and 
they don't like to dance to the music. They like to listen to the poetry of the words, which Muffy gets hung up on. Shout out to and the like fake Alanis Morissette song. Uh, yes, that yeah. plays. Uh, that that that's. I want to hear like. A, I wish there was a recording of it out there, uh, because we. I, I don't know if this was like a li- royalty free song they purchased or if they wrote it just for this episode. But this fake Alanis Morissette song sounds awesome. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Um, it, and I wondered if it was maybe something that was from a music library or if they did it themselves. It actually. Yeah, it sounded very realistic for the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it very much is like, oh, I bet like teenage girls, because I wasn't a teenager in the early 2000s or the late 90s, so I, I'm not really sure. But I could see like Jagged Little Pill was a huge album at the time, right? Yeah. Um, so I could definitely see this being like a situation playing out of, yeah, we're going to sit around and listen to Jagged Little Pill, which by the way holds up. That album does not have a bad song on it. It's a very, very good album. A Canadian classic, if you will. Right on. Uh, yeah, and... So I'm, and it's also a very '90s thing where it's like, uh, 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 not to be stereotypical, but like you know, teenage girls kind of sitting around and listening to the music. I wrote here, uh, I said, "Oh, don't worry, Catherine. Dancing will take on an all new appeal pretty soon." Because like, I feel like maybe, and maybe that's something that's more of a modern thing where it's like, dancing to music is a lot more accepted and kind of. Uh, more of a, like a very young person thing to do. No, yeah, I think it's come back, but I do think there was a period where like people were too cool for dancing. I, I, I and that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Fair enough. Uh, I will say also when they're talking about uh, kissing, there is a cutaway where Muffy imagines being kissed by Buster, and then she turns into a frog because of how disgusting it is. Uh, not the first time that Buster has kissed a main character. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I like that they always pick Buster for these situations. It's very funny. Uh, yeah. It's easy to picture him as a helpless romantic. Eventually, they go in for. Oh, gosh. I wish I'd written it down. Uh, the host of the party asks if anybody wants. Uh, like a, like a type of coffee. Gosh, do you remember what it was? Oh, oh yes, I wrote it down. Uh, oh, awesome! Uh, instant almond vanilla decaf. Okay, because that do, that does sound like something that we would have been making fun of in the nineties. But man, coffee's gonna get a whole lot weirder. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, there's there's no there's no uh, uh, there's no macchiato in there. There's no um. Uh, no foam, uh, that kind of stuff. That's right. It's uh, not a flat white. It's not a you know. It could be a. Um, you work in a coffee shop. That's for right. Sakes. It's not you a. Talk, it's not talk. a soy latte, soy soy misto americano. You know. It's yeah, it's, it's not a. Uh, 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 you know, dirty a dirty chai on ice. There you uh, go. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff. There you go. Half half. You know, black and tan, half calf, shot in the dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. So Muffy eventually gets the joke of like they're just kind of making fun of her, and she has a moment. She has a moment here with Catherine, where Catherine doesn't really apologize for them necessarily, but it's just like you know, you know, kind of. They both kind of acknowledge that she's a bit out of her depth here, and. You know, they're basically like all the stuff they're doing is stuff Muffy realizes she has no interest in. She makes fun of th- listening to the poetry of the words. What does that even mean? <laughs> so I kind of like that. Uh, and Catherine, Catherine says there's some there's somebody who does want to hang out with you who's been, you know, uh, hanging off the walls just trying to figure out just because she hasn't been able to hang out with you. So Muffy. Uh, spends the end of the episode trying to get back into Francine's good graces. Like, she brings her own PB&J to lunch the next day. (gasps) (laughs) And then she actually goes over to uh, Francine's to invite her to a sleepover and says she can wear whatever pajamas she wants. I will say, you know, Muffy is not great in this episode, to say the least. Uh, But she does, we do get a rare moment of sincerity here from her at the end where she does like legitimately apologize to Francine. True. She, uh, she understands that what she did was wrong and she really does seem sincere. I feel like in the past Muffy has done like a, you know, like I'm like an, I'm sorry you were offended kind of (laughs) thing. It's like, there, there usually is like a little bit at the end of any Muffy episode where it's like, I'm still awful. And she does get a joke in here of just like, maybe we can finally get rid of your, your new, you, we can get you new pajamas or something, but she's like, ah, just kidding. So she probably doesn't exactly mean it. It's the, one of the more sincere that we've ever seen her. So I didn't mind that so much. 
Okay, that's it. Season five's in the books. Uh, so let's go back to the individual stories here. Uh, so uh, Arthur's family feud. What'd you, what'd you make of this? So we're already kind of starting to think about uh, what are going to be the episodes that we put in our top five for uh, season five. Um, and like we've talked about before, season five has been a pretty rocky season, but I do think there's like at least three solid episodes that I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, and I would count Family Feud amongst them. I think that episode's really, really fun. Um, again, it's a DW episode, a DW and Arthur dynamic episode, which is always fun for me. Um, a lot of really good lines from DW, an amazing performance from Arthur's dad. Uh, the opening stuff with the 90s TV is really fun. Um, Arthur's dad just being like so distraught is like hilarious. All the cutaways of like Arthur in the gulag and Arthur getting arrested. Um, and then, uh, uh, the sort of everybody's the Rashomon style unfolding of what happened. I love that we actually, as an audience, don't really have a clear view of what happened until the end of the episode leaves a little mystery to keep you on the hook. Um, again, great lines from DW. People usually listen to fairy tales, all that stuff. I really enjoyed uh, Family Feud. Yeah, I I did I did like it. Now it's gonna be t- I'm I'm gonna be very interested to find out what my top five of the season is because I haven't quite ranked them yet, and I don't know if this would quite make it. But still, I'd give it a I give it at least a a solo thumbs up. I think that this was pretty enjoyable, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that we see one of the characters in a light that we all practically never do with, with Dave Reed. I thought he was terrific and uh, definitely the MVP of the episode for sure. And it had an interesting uh, framing device of the two ways that DW and Arthur tell their story, which I, which really made it visually interesting as well. Uh, The, the bickering kind of got on my nerves after a point, but it was, uh, it, it was all to serve the story. So I didn't mind it too much in the end. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say this was, uh, uh, just I'd I'd just say good. I'd go with good, and that's hey, good enough for me. Uh, now <sighs> we were kind of we were kind of talking about you were surprised that this was the last episode of season five, and like what a way to end this, eh? Muffy gets mature, not what I would end the season on. <laughs> it's uh even beyond the fact that Muffy is real bad in this episode she's not great which is too bad because i feel like in the last couple of seasons she's really made inroads to kind of be a better character be a fuller character and we do see kind of flashes of that here at the end but also like she's pretty annoying for most of this and i just there wasn't really anywhere for me to kind of latch on to i like i like Catherine. i like finding out more about her mm. uh the designs of like the fashion were cool but other than that like it just kind of left me with nothing. And thankfully it didn't have, I don't think it had a bad message or anything like that. So if it, if it had that, then it would have been far worse. But as it is just like, I can't see myself returning to this anytime soon. Yeah. Like I understand the message they were trying to say, like, like Muffy isn't supposed to be a sympathetic character in this episode. And I understand that, but I think because this episode is primarily Arthur doesn't even have a line in this episode beyond the intro. Um, so because the episode is so Muffy focused and Catherine, there's not really someone for the audience to root for or get behind because Muffy's being awful the whole episode. Catherine's being kind of crappy too, because she's taking advantage of Muffy to get all the free stuff, even though she doesn't want to hang out with her. Um, I think if they wanted to tell this story about how you shouldn't be in a rush to grow up or how, you know, you need to be, you don't have to pretend to be what you think people want you to be or any types of those really good lessons, they should have made uh, Francine, the main character of the story, and sort of Muffy, more of an antagonist. That way, the audience could sort of get empathize with Francine and, and sorry, feel bad for her as she's like missing hanging out with Muffy before Muffy sort of like lost her mind. Um, but the problem is, like, again, like, I don't think this ep- episode is executed poorly. I don't think it's like any of that stuff, but I found it unwatchable just because it's like the type of thing that really gets on my nerves. Like, this is one of those things where I know sometimes people are like, oh, you know, like sometimes DW is a little too much for me. Um, and I've never been one of those people, but I can understand what they're saying when they say like, just certain things annoy certain people differently. And Muffy was certainly annoying for me in this episode. And like, it was, 
I just didn't want to watch it anymore. Like, I was just getting so annoyed. I was like, oh, this is just not fun for me. And then especially when we get into the kind of climax where all the girls are sort of making fun of Buffy, like I said before, it's just so cringeworthy to me of like, oh, it's the situation where it's like uh, uh, all these people making fun of this person and they so, sort of don't realize it yet. Um, that's like, oh, I just want to turn this episode off. Like, I don't like watching it anymore. So um, I understand what they were going for, but at least for me personally, in terms of my personal taste, they super missed the mark. One of my, like, least favorite episodes of the season, uh, even though there's nothing, like, technically bad about it. It's just, like, so not my cup of tea. Yeah, that's totally fair. And uh, that's a great point. I think with, like, an an arc to this, like, more of an arc to this, or, or maybe more um, for a character to overcome, like like you said, if Francine was the main character, then there could might have been something a little bit more here. But as it is, there's really not. And what is there is not s- super great. So not the best note to end this season five on. Like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how my thoughts kind of shape together. When I take a look at the episode list, I rank my top five episodes and kind of take it all in as a whole. Uh, you know, trying, I feel like, yeah, like, Trying not to be too negative, but also being realistic about how I feel. The good part is, or well, well, you know what? I'm going to save that because next week, this is it. We're going to be talking about season five in our season five recap episode. Lucas and I are going to be ranking our top five episodes of the season and talking about whether or not it was truly worthy of an Emmy. <laughs> I've, I, I've, I've said before that I disagree, but that was halfway through the season. Maybe my thoughts have changed since then. We'll have to wait and see. And we've got more ECL programming coming as well. Um, We've got a special Christmas episode. I'm not going to reveal what that is just yet, but that's in the works. That's going to be coming just in time for the end of the month. And our first ECL episode of Season 6 is going to be coming up in January. I'm going to hold off till the new year because it's going to be a big one because our plan is Lucas and I are going to be joined by JV once again because we're going to need uh, a real expert in not just video games but video game commentary. The esports commentator himself, JV, is going to join us for Sue Ellen Gets Her Goose Cooked and The Best of the Nest. This is one we've been waiting for for a while. I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to get Season 6 started off. Season 6 and the New Year started off on a, a a great foot. Lots new beginnings, new year, new Arthur season, baby. Let's go. We're speaking positivity into the world, and we are starting it off right. We're doing everything that we can to bring joy and to bring laughter back into the world in 2019 through Elwood City Limits. So this is our last kind of regular episode of this season. We want to thank you for a great 2018. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Lucas, what are your plans for the holiday? I'm just going to hang out with friends and family, uh, take some time off school, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a fun holiday. I also want to take this time looking back on 2018. Again, thanks for getting us nominated for a Best of Halifax Award. Thanks yeah. for everybody who emailed and subscribed to the Patreon um, and now who are in the Discord, everybody who emails every week. Uh, let me tell you, this show... This show is fun, but it wouldn't be nearly the show it is without the emails. It's one of my favorite parts of the show, and it's all because of viewers like you, listeners like you. So thank you so much. Everybody who likes on the Facebook page, everybody who's who's uh, uh, n- uh, rated the show on iTunes or Google Play, everybody who recommends the show to their friend that likes cartoons. Um, thank you all so much. Um, everybody's giving each other presents during the holiday season, but you guys give us a present every time you do one of those things, or even every time you listen to the show, so it means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Couldn't have said it better myself. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Book of Charlie! All right, we will see you next time. We're going to be talking the end of Season 5. <laughs>